Hello and welcome to a brand new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast. I'm your host, John Bishop. Connor Happer and Josh Peterson are going to join me in just a little bit to talk more about the basketball teams this past week and their continued run towards the top of the Big East standings. But in just a moment, I'm going to be joined by Creighton softball coach Krista Wood, who embarks on her first year as the head of the Jays. And the season begins this weekend. 1620 The Jays is presented by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. Krista Wood is in her first season as the head coach of Creighton softball. The softball team getting underway this weekend in the Chicago area at the DePaul Dome Tournament. And coach has been kind enough to take some time out for us as uh, the season is less than, as we record this, uh, about 36 hours or so away. Coach Wood, how are things? They're good. They're good. We're ready to hit it. We're ready to hit the field together as a team. So we've been practicing hard against each other and now we're ready to play against somebody else. How much outdoor time were you able to get this last month? You know, quite a bit, actually. Um, We got on our field yesterday. Uh, We've used the baseball field. We've been on the soccer field. We've been over to Omaha South. They have a turf field a couple times. So, I mean, probably five, six, seven practices outside. As a coach who's been in the north, who's coached up in these in these environs, obviously it's the one thing that you know you you cross your fingers and you have a mild winter so that you can get outside because it's you know just having that time outdoors is so very important. So, do you think you were able to maximize the time that you did have working outside? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we did what we could um, out there, getting some fly balls, um, doing some team defense. Um, obviously if we had a turf field, we'd be on our field every single time. Um, so our dirt's just now getting kind of ready for it, but, um, it's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, um, you know, it's just like asking a basketball team or a volleyball team to go play half court and then get ready to play full court, you know? Uh, so when we can get out on our field, that's like full court for us. We want to play <laughs> full court. And so, I mean, softball and baseball are very, especially up North are very interesting because, Sometimes some teams don't step on a field with the true dimensions on the field until their first game. And so we were at least able to do that a couple times um, by using Omaha Souths and using our field yesterday. But um, you just have to go with the flow. Yeah, I can remember a story, uh, Ed Service, the baseball coach, when he was an assistant, they they didn't get outdoors all winter one year. And when they got down to Arizona before their tournament, they left a day early. They practiced for five hours because it was the first time they were able to get outside. So the struggle is real when you come from the north and you've had a harsh winter. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's not often, Coach Wood, that a new coach walks into a situation where a reigning conference player of the year is on the roster. I'm curious what your initial impressions were of Kaylee. And has anything changed since you've had time to work with her? Yeah, you know, my initial impressions of her were that she, you know, uh, she's a she's a leader. She leads by example, um, very well spoken, um, humble. But, you know, uh, when I started working with her, you know, I felt like she works she works hard. She works hard at what she does. And. Um, I think, you know, we've helped her up her game, you you know, mentally, I think just trying to continue to make people uh, mentally tough. But, you know, the one thing I said to her was, you know, it's awesome that you were the player of the year, but you cannot go into this season trying to match that. 
or be better. Um, just go in. This is a whole new year. New, new. You're seeing new pitchers. We're playing new teams, and so just you know, play in the moment and try not to press and think about what happened last year. And that if you don't become the player of the year this year, that you're still a great player and um, you can use that for confidence, but um, try not to compare the two seasons. And I think we've had some good conversations about how she's going to try to play in the moment and really do what she can to help the team this year. When you walk into a situation blind, having never experienced, you know, this team, this group, and there's a lot of returners back, you look for those leaders and you kind of watch for that in meetings and practices and things like that. But with her reputation coming in, having been the conference player of the year, did you kind of have her pegged from the beginning as this is someone that needs to lead for me as a player? You know, I mean, I think that everyone leads differently, um, whether it's by example, vocally and, you know, or a little bit of both. And I definitely thought for sure, leading by example, by what, you know, she did on the field. She's also, you know, and I didn't know this until we had some fall games, but she's a, she's a, she's got a vibe about her, uh, just an energy. She's got good energy and she's in the dugout kind of getting the girls going with cheers and she's got a good vibe that way. So I also think she's a leader in, in the dugout just by keeping everybody in the game. You're also returning. Speaking of players who have pop in their bat, Emma Rosanke and her nine runs are back. So you match her with Kaylee. You've got some pop in the lineup. I'm curious, philosophically coach, how do you value the home run in your overall philosophy? Um, You know, I think we're never trying to hit home runs. We're just trying to hit doubles. And if they go over the fence, that's great. So we're just trying to square up the ball, hit it hard, have quality at bats and home runs will come at that, you know, if if you square up the ball enough and especially in our park, because our field's pretty short. Uh, but you know, we don't really preach home runs. We, we preach quality at bats, um, getting in there, hitting the ball hard and, and just moving runners and scoring runs and home runs will come with it. You've got two returners back in the pitching circle with Jenna Lawrence and Alexis Wiggins, but you've also got an incoming transfer from Kirkwood Community College. You have other young arms who are going to be vying for time. How do you see pitching shaking out this weekend, and how much can you hope to finalize by the end of the first four games? Yeah, I mean, um, I think we've come a long ways in the circle. Um, I was able to bring in Natalia Pacino, uh, who was committed to Texas A&M this summer and we were able to bring her in and then you know we have the transfer and you know between between Jenna and Alyssa they didn't have a lot of innings last year so in my eyes um they're kind of new they're new to the squad they they didn't have a lot of innings and I feel like Alexis is a whole different pitcher um than when I got her this fall and Jenna's developed another pitch and you know Natalia and Peyton are new and Alyssa redshirted last year so in my mind, we have a whole new pitching staff that's going to step in the circle this spring, and nobody knows what we have. You only have 15 returning starts back at the catching position with Saren Croker. How has the battle shaped up behind the plate these last few weeks? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to bring in this summer Lily West. Um, she's from Oklahoma, and right now she's really swinging the bat well. And uh, She's little, but she plays big back there. And then, yeah, you have Saren, who's also swinging the bat pretty well, but – I mean, those two are kind of battling it out back there. How I mean, we t- hear about it in baseball, how important the catching position is. It's got to be about the same, doesn't it, with softball that, you know, you, you want not only someone who's a great backstop, uh, the bat obviously is important, but you also need that leader and someone who can manage a pitching staff. Yeah, um, you need, and, and both of those two, they're very positive, very calm. 
Um, you know, with, with, uh, Lily being a freshman, she doesn't have that experience back there, but, um, I saw her play this summer and, and yeah, they got to run the field. They got to call cuts. They got to, you know, kind of keep everybody in it and control the game. And I think that's just something they're both going to have to continue to learn as the, as the year goes on. Two starters back from last year in the infield, two back in the outfield. How would you grade the process of filing or filling the rest of the gaps, uh, both infield and outfield? Yeah, um, we've moved Madeline Vavita over to second. So um, she's over at second. And Kaylee's been playing first base for us. So um, Kaylee Wilson. And then uh, Alyssa Gappa has been both at third and first. So we have another freshman playing third and freshman at shortstop. And so we've been able to kind of really work hard with them, trying to get them going and 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 teach them. Out in the outfield, um, you know, you have Emma over and right, Emma Rizanki, and then you have Kayla Nielsen. We've moved Kayla over to left for the most part. Uh, we were able – I was able to bring in Michaela Chares. I was able to bring in four transfers this summer and I actually got somebody at semester as well. And there are two outfielders. I mean, right now we got about five outfielders fighting for three spots. And they're all – they all can hit. They all can catch balls. And I think we're going to kind of rotate out there and – kind of stick with who's hot. But um, I think there's a lot of positions out there right now that um, there were about too deep. So we're kind of rotated around a little bit, see if we can get people some at bat so you can, you know, come out on top um, and see if they can just battle it out. How important is positionless softball to you? P- players that can play multiple positions throughout your lineup. Yeah. Um, that's what we really focused on when we recruited the, this next class coming in was trying to 23s and 24s, trying to bring in utility kids. I think that's, you know, we're bringing in a catcher and a couple of pitchers and then utility kids because, you know, if somebody's hitting and someone's not, now you can move people around. We always have everybody pretty much in our lineup has learned two positions. Um, you know, you got gap at third and first or you're learning second and short or um, then catchers are kind of just behind the plate. But the outfield, they're learning two positions because if we have, you know, a couple people hitting, we got to move people around so we can get all of our bats in the lineup. Talking with softball coach Krista Wood, the softball team opens up their 2023 campaign this weekend in the Chicago area. We'll talk more about that in just a minute, but pick fifth in the league uh, in the preseason poll. A little catching up coming into a new league to do on your conference rivals. What do you make of the Big East this season in softball? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, UConn lost their number one pitcher at semester. She went to Oregon, I think, and another kid transferred out. DePaul's pitchers graduated. Butler's big kid graduated. The number one pitcher for Villanova graduated. So to be honest with you, I think it's a great year to come into the league with a lot of pitchers like leaving the league and uh, us not and other teams not knowing what we really have. Like we have brand new pitchers too. So no one really knows what we have. So I think it kind of opens it up a little bit and being ranked fifth. That's great. Like I'm fine with that. Like, I I like to be the underdog and come up and sneak up on people. So I think that gave us some, you know, where we finished and where they ranked us. They actually gave us some, you know, some uh, props, you know. I mean, we finished second to last in the league last year and they ranked us already fifth and we haven't even stepped on the field yet. So I think that that shows that we have some respect already and I'm excited to go to battle with these kids. Philosophical question. You know that a Krista Wood team is playing well when you see the team do what? I would say fight. They're competitive, gritty. Uh, They don't let, you know, 
three, like someone score three runs on us, let us bring us down. We just answer back the next inning um, and that we fight till the end. Fight is always a good one because you got to have that. I mean, there's it's got such a long season. You play at all these different times and you're going to run into those moments. Everybody runs into those moments where, you know, you hit a wall and you never want to a team that loses the fight. You very rarely see those teams succeed. Right. And I told our kids, I'm like, this is opening weekend. Like we're playing in a dome and the teams that can stay balanced, the teams that don't get emotional opening weekend, the teams that can be resilient and learn from a bat to a bat, usually the teams and the, and the players that succeed because they don't get too high. They don't get too low. Um, they learn how to bounce back. They learn how to learn. They learn how to grow from failure. And I think that's going to be a big piece of what we need to do this, this, this opening weekend. I really talked to our kids multiple times about how we have got to stay balanced and we really need to keep our emotions under control. And we just got to fight and fight and fight until the end. And if we, if we come up short, we'll figure it out. We'll grow, we'll learn, and we'll move to the next game, but we can't let, you know, things get to us. It's the opening weekend doesn't dictate whether you're going to win the conference or not. It just dictates like, maybe how you did this weekend, but um, we just can't let it snowball and and knock us down. And if we start winning, then I think we need to use it as confidence, but keep learning and growing from it as well. Four games over two days, three different opponents. It starts with Detroit Mercy Saturday morning, followed by St. Thomas after that. Then on Sunday, Eastern Kentucky in the morning, followed by another game against St. Thomas. What do you know about your first opponents? Um, you know, uh, we've I've scouted them a little bit here and there uh, watching some film. I mean, they're kind of scrappy hitters. Um, I feel like, I feel like offensively we could definitely um, attack their pitchers. I think if we pitch well, we can shut down their hitters. Um, you know, St. Thomas has a really good shortstop that was up for player of the year last year in the league and she'll be good. She'll be a hard out, um, you know, and St. Thomas came last year, you know, it was our first year in division one. So I have a feeling St. Thomas, you know, it's their second year and their coaches are going to start a lot of freshmen because their first recruiting class will be in. So that'll be interesting to kind of see them after I saw them last year in our league. But, um, and, you know, Detroit Mercy and Eastern Kentucky, I've never played them before, but I feel like they don't have a lot of like starting returners back. So it'll be interesting to kind of see who and what they put on the field this year. How important was it uh, to play an opening weekend tournament where you know you're going to play because it is indoors? Uh, Granted, you can go to Texas, you can go to Arizona, you can go to Florida, and the weather's probably going to be nice. But just knowing you're going to get these games in, barring, you know, the the roof collapsing or something. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to know that just because I haven't checked the weather one time in DePaul because I'm like, we're playing indoors, (laughs) right? But next weekend, I'll be on the Weather Channel every single day checking the weather down in Texas. So um, that's just been one thing I haven't had to worry about this week because, you know, we're going to have sunny and 70 in the dome, you know, every day. I mean, it's not the way it was meant to be played, but when you come from the North, when you never know when you're going to get games in, sometimes a dome can be a good thing. Yeah. You know, and I already showed him a picture of the dome so that when we walk in, because some people have never played in a dome ever, you know, so I've already showed him a picture so that they can't, you know, they know what to expect when you walk in. This is the dome. This is what it looks like. This is how it's set up. So when we get in there, you know, we don't freak out. 
It's it's so basic, but that is important, right? I mean, granted, all, all these kids, they've seen domes. We see basketball games played in big arenas, football games, all that stuff. But being in there yourself can sometimes be a little awestruck because it is an unusual spot that you've never been in before. Yeah, and there's two fields at play. They're kind of – they're outfields back up to each other. So it'll be tight in there, but, I mean, it's games. We get them in. We've been practicing on turf, you know, in the Rasmussen Center. So – I feel like uh, we'll be all right. Well, Coach Wood, congratulations on getting through this first off season. Now it's time to actually put the pen to paper and start writing the story of your tenure at Creighton and this year's 2023 Blue Jay softball team. I love to see that the expectations are up, but that there's still something to work for. So uh, good luck this season. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you and some of the players throughout the course of the campaign during this spring season. That sounds good. Thank you for having me. And now the 1620 The Jays podcast brought to you by Barry Law turns things over to Connor and Josh. Guys. Thank you, John. Welcome back to our, what is this, Hap Now? We've been doing it like once a month and then like once every few weeks. And I think now this is the second time in, what, it's been a couple weeks, but we check in on the men's and women's basketball teams. And I would say this, we nailed it. Two weeks ago when we talked, Josh Peterson, Connor Happer with you, we talked and we said, the next time that we do a check-in, both the men's and women's teams are going to be sitting pretty good. They have not lost since we did that check-in. So you're welcome. Uh, send your thank yous to us. You can find That's our right. Venmos on social media somewhere. But what a run by these two programs over the last couple of weeks. It's it's really come together. And, and you know, I don't think it's by virtue of, like, the schedule lightening up either. I just think no. both these teams are, are rounding into form um, and – and they both had some tough moments during the season. I mean, to a little bit different extents, but I mean, the women are at 17 and six. Now the men are at 16 and eight um, and they've won seven in a row. And, you know, they, they both have massive, massive games coming up. So um, I, I think it's just uh, truly, I, I think it's just rounded into form to, to, for both of them. And it's not due to any of the surrounding things like they, they are both legit playing their best basketball right now, which is cool. Yeah, I, I dude, I, I think you're absolutely right. Let's start with the men. Uh, uh, we are recording this not too long after the 75 to 62 win over Seton Hall. But Hap, I think back to the last time that we spoke, the pink out game had not been played. Right. So we were wondering what was going to happen versus Xavier. Of course, the Georgetown game, they came home for Villanova and then they went back on the road to pick up the win versus Seton Hall. And I thought that all of those games, all four of them had had different positives to take away. And, and it's funny too, because I think the bookends on this conversation, the win at home over Xavier, and then the win on the road at Seton Hall, I would say that those were the best performances start to finish that they had. I mean, dare I say that that Xavier performance is the best win that they've had all season long. Well, here's, here's what you love about it too. They are, they are showing not just signs, um, I mean, true tendencies of what they showed at the end of last year yes. when it really came together. And that is just, I mean, second half against Seton Hall, um, you know, just bearing down on defense, not allowing anything. I mean, they are, they are, <clears throat> I mean, right now, as we're looking at it, this will, this will vacillate, you know, on a daily basis, but they're a top 15 defense in the country. I mean, it's, it's, they, they have totally rounded into form and then that is what I always thought was the formula for this team. If they were and it, it was definitely that way last year. 
Um, and they can still have some let it fly in them too, but there's, there's the defense first part and especially in the second half or in the last 10 minutes of games. And the fact that they're able to do it with the starters who play all their minutes, they got good minutes from, from Mason Miller uh, on Wednesday against Seton Hall and, and, and a couple guys Farabello missed the game for barely, barely played against uh, Villanova last Saturday. I mean, the fact that they're able to do that with those same group of guys stayed generally out of foul trouble is so impressive. And they still keep shot making, you know, Baylor Shireman has a huge second half he yeah. goes for 19 against Seton hall. And they, ju- they still have those guys who can get loose and knock down shots when they need them. I, I just love that formula for this team. If you can't tell my voice, I'm, I'm, <laughs> excited, I'm excited about it. Like it's, it's just, I think that's exactly fine tuned to where they want to be. Now there's still a month left, you know, and you have yep. to, you have to, you know, still go through the ebbs and flows of February, but I just think they're playing their best basketball right now. And they have, they've found their best formula. Yeah. And, and to, to, to pick up a win when you have 19 turnovers and the other team has five and you win by double digits. I mean, it just a, a wild performance when you look at it in terms of what they were able to do versus Seton Hall this week, 27 of 44, man, 61.4% from the field. They held Seton Hall below 43%. They made 12 of 23s. I mean, it's, you know, like I I think what you said about the defense is an astute observation. It's a team that, you know, again, I I look back to what we thought early in the year and how we were wrong and, and how they have adapted on the fly. And now it just seems like the pieces are kind of coming together at the exact moment that they needed to. Again, when we are recording this, they're sitting in third place in the conference behind Xavier and Marquette. They're a half game behind Marquette. They're a full game behind Xavier. And and you just start wondering, wow, like what can this team do towards the end of the season? And you look ahead, Saturday, UConn returns home. I know you tweeted about it on Wednesday night. This game should be uh, a, a whole lot of fun. Of course, we remember what happened back in early January when they went on the road at UConn. And, and that was kind of at the very end of that real rough stretch. You know, they had finally picked up a few victories in a row. That was a loss that ended the three-game winning streak. Then they lost at Xavier, and they have not lost since. So that one should be a whole lot of fun this weekend. And then they go back on the road for a couple at Providence at St. John's uh, at the end of next week before Marquette comes back to town. So I think that this is this team, like you said, is playing the exact type of basketball I think that you would want. Uh, before welcoming UConn into Omaha this weekend. You know, I don't know that UConn is like the exactly the standard for the conference. They had a great win against Marquette earlier in the week. I mean, yeah. they looked they looked fantastic. They've been playing great basketball lately. But if you use them as an example, you mentioned where that first UConn game took place. Um, early January, they had those three wins. Kalkbrenner just came back. And it was like, it felt like it was sort of uh, – a midterm, like, let's see where we're at, you know? And, yep. and it was kind of smack dab in the middle of the season. This is a really important test, I, I think. And you get them at home and you feel like you're strong enough, right? You, you've been playing some of your best basketball. Um, you get them at home. There's bad blood, right, between the two teams. They don't like each other. UConn's just fiery in general. I think it'll be an awesome environment on Saturday afternoon. Um, so this is, I, I don't know, it's not the final, Right. But whatever the analogy is, it's a really important like second semester test, I think, for for Creighton right here on Saturday against UConn. And like I said, I I mean, I just think um, it's going to be it's going to be hot energy. Energy is going to be insane. 
on Saturday afternoon. It's already a sellout. They've, they've yep. sold out now three games in a row. And then, you know, and, and you, you have to be careful because you don't want to look ahead too much. It's one game at a time. And this, the conference is going to be decided, you know, on w- how you do on the road likely. And then how you do against some of those bottom tier teams. I, I've said it a lot. I think Villanova is going to be a, a really, really tough test. They're going to screw this up for somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you hope we, saw, we saw how they played over the weekend on Saturday. Yep. They're good. They're fully healthy again. Like they're, they're going to be a pain in basically everybody's butt down the stretch here. Seton Hall, UConn, I mean, Seton Hall got the win already. UConn, Providence, and then there's a St. John's game in there, which, you know, it's on the road. It's tricky. And then Marquette on, on Tuesday the 21st. And that's, you know, that's going to tell a story because then it lightens up a little bit and you finish with Villanova, Georgetown, and DePaul. So, I mean, you know, you you, you feel like you want to know, like you, you you have the final answer and you just are not ready to, to quite say it yet. But I think, like I said, they, they should feel as, as good as they have all year. And you keep getting road wins, and and somebody somebody ahead of them is going to slip up. You know, Xavier's without Fremantle, and they will be probably for the rest of the regular season. Um, so that that Marquette game is already looming large in in people's heads, and and the Providence one on the road is is huge too. So they get a legit chance to win the conference, as we sort yep. of set the seeds for last time we talked about it. Um, and and it's coming to fruition. It feels like right now. And and speaking of setting the seeds, we can I guess start doing this hap every time we do a check in before we move on to the women. Uh, currently, the bracket matrix has them as a seven seed. They're at the bottom end of that behind Auburn, Iowa, and Providence. Again, we're recording this on uh, February the eighth. Uh, this is a team now that we have seen over the last month has really climbed. It was not that long ago that they were on the eleven seed line in the play-in game, and now a month later, they are comfortably in the dance. And like you said, we might be talking about a team that's playing their way into a top one or two seed in the conference as this regular season comes to a close. So probably by the next time we do this, uh, maybe we do it after the Marquette game, before the Villanova game, which is yeah. the 25th. Maybe it's that week again and we, we set this thing up. But there's they already got a quad one win tonight. Yep. Seton Hall, I mean, on the road, um, they're going to be on the bubble. That was a huge loss for them tonight. They need to sort of win that game or – it's Wednesday. Sorry. Yeah. Peek behind the curtain again. There we go. Um, that was, that was a huge loss for them. They, they really needed that game, but it's a quad one win for Creighton. UConn could end up being that way. Providence on the road is almost certainly going to end up being that way. And Marquette is certainly, you know, pretty much going to end up being that way too. So by the next time we talk, um, you're going to have a really good idea and you're, you know, yeah. theoretically, if they, if they come through in these, you're going to see another pretty big jump. I think people are sort of starting to take notice. Seven yep. is seven is low. I mean, for for how if you just go around and ask people around the country how how is Creighton playing right now and and what caliber of team could they beat? Um, you know, I I think you would have them quite a bit higher than that. I, you know, so. Um, we'll see how this develops over the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, we definitely will. So that's the check-in on the men's team. Let's check in on the, the women's team as well. And this is a team that has also gone on quite the winning streak. They have now won five in a row following a road win 
over Seton Hall earlier this week. And then if you stretch that back a little bit further, they have won eight of nine, essentially, since we keep mentioning uh, early January, since January the 8th, they have won eight out of their last nine. I had a chance to see them for quite a few of these, including two wins in a row at home versus DePaul in St. John's over the course of the last week and a half. And and this is a team also, I think, Hap, that is really finding themselves. Um, you know, they've made a couple of changes. I, I Obviously, I talked to Jim Flannery quite a bit over the course of a regular season. And one of the things I remember him telling us, uh, Rob Sims and myself, was about a month ago talking about moving Lauren Jensen to point guard. And he said something in that moment like, look, this is this may not you know show or pay dividends early, but I'm hoping that it pays dividends longer term. And the last time that I spoke with him, he said that he's really started to see that paying off. It's a team that, I mean, the chemistry, man, it continues to, to be like my biggest takeaway every time I call a game or every time yep. I watch them. The chemistry that this group has, it's infectious. They love getting the ball to one after another after another. And, I mean, it's, it's a team that when they get going downhill, they are very tough to stop, and that's uh, why they have won five in a row at this point in time. You can just tell on the on the nights that they have it. The ball, you know, and, and it's it's a lot of nights because you mentioned that that chemistry is so strong. The ball just pops, man, and they they share it so well, and they're really unselfish, um, and they communicate well on the defensive end too. It doesn't have, you know, it's not it's not elite. We we know this. It's not elite athleticism that's going to get them to where they're going. It's elite skill and yep. you know elite teamwork basically. So that's um, that's the thing that always jumps off the page, and when when that shows on an individual game basis, you know, Creighton is going to have a really good chance to win it. So you, you started, you, you sort of start to look ahead. Um, you know, you don't want to count anything, but Xavier over the weekend is a, a pretty sure bet. Um, you know, yeah. with, with them being <laughs> yeah, uh, bottom winless, of the conference. Yeah. Winless in the league right now. And, and then you get a quick turnaround and you go to UConn and, and you lay it all out there and you see what you got, um, you know, and that's, of course, never going to be an easy thing to, to do, go on the road and, and play there against that caliber of team. But it's another good, you know, barometer. Uh, yep. you, get to, you get to see where you're at. Um, so I, they're hot right now and they're playing their best basketball right now. It, seriously, I mean, we, we said it last time, like this is sort of, where they were going back and forth on stretches like good good for the men bad for the women now they're both it both they're really clicking in a really good spot yeah so um i'm certainly excited about that group too and and you know they're they're gonna be an ncaa tournament team yep so um you know and and that chemistry and and all the stuff that i said before it really is going to work to their advantage in march yeah, it absolutely is. They're currently sitting at third place in the conference. And with that win over St. John's last weekend, I mean, they really now have kind of separated themselves in league play again. We're recording this on the eighth. Uh, they're 11 and four. St. John's is eight and five. So they have separated themselves up three games in the win column, up one game in the loss column. And then they're looking up at Villanova and then UConn, who you just mentioned, who is undefeated. And that was a good win over, over a St. John's team that, you know, they got up to a great start this year. Uh, a lot of wins and and their coach talked a, about happened in the lead up to that game versus Creighton last week. Like that went over the blue Jays at the beginning of December. It, it kind of validated how they thought that they were, how good they thought they were on the way to that 13 and O start and Creighton absolutely 
blitz them. They were shooting lights out. They go up 20 to 17 in the first quarter, but they outscored them by 11 points in the second quarter. And after that, they just were able to stiff arm them uh, to pick up that victory. And, and so that, that, you know, the, the game against UConn, you and I've talked about it a couple of times on the pod. Uh, that that was not their best performance, obviously. They fell behind 10 nothing, and after that, they really couldn't do a whole yeah. lot. So a better start a well, week, doesn't, the next doesn't week. That, yeah, go, I mean, doesn't that work to their advantage when they go back and, and play them again if, yeah, and, You know, next week? Yeah, you would think so, right? Just not having a great start that they could maybe, you know, just not get down 10 nothing, and, and it's going to feel like an entirely different ball game, and obviously that's a low bar to clear, but I, I have to imagine that that'll be the conversation that Jim Flannery is having uh, with those women. Like, hey, let's let's just get off to a better start. And then let's see what happens after that. So, yeah, like you said, they should pick up a victory, of course, against winless Xavier. And then that, that, that road game in stores, a great atmosphere. I mean, if anything, it's going to be good for them uh, just in terms of preparing themselves for the NCAA tournament. And UConn, of course, with their, their most recent loss out of conference against South Carolina. They've now lost three games out of league play. Uh, I imagine that they'll be pretty fired up and they will be over the course of the next few weeks as the regular season comes to a close. You know, I mean, there's only five regular season games left. I mean, yeah, so... it's crazy. It's almost done. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, their two toughest challenges remaining are, are both on the road. So those will be really good tests for them. And then the three games that they have at home are against, you know, the bottom basically three teams in the league right now, three or four teams in the league, Georgetown, Butler, and Xavier. So um, if you take care of business at home, you feel good about yourself, put yourself to the test on the road, um, and, and you're looking at, you know, a top three and, and potentially if things break for you the right way, you could be the two seed still. And, you know, and when you look ahead to the Big East. So, um, it, yeah, I, I just – it sets up well for, for for them down the stretch to be able to pick up some some more quality wins here if they can snatch one or two on the road. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The next time that we check in on both of these teams, you know, they'll they'll find themselves in uh in in, in I think we're going to really know, I think about postseason stuff. By that point Creighton will have actually had four more games under their belt. <laughs> uh, the women will in, 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 uh, over the next two weeks. So yeah, we're really going to have an idea on, okay, what are we talking about in terms of the big East tournament? And, and like you mentioned with the men, what are we going to be talking about in terms of seeding for the NCAA tournament? Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fired up. And, and like I said, they're, they're both playing some really, really good basketball right now. It, this is how it's supposed to be in February. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and it's turned out according to plan. I think it's been a long road to sort of get there for both of them. Uh, maybe some unexpected twists and turns yep. at times, but uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's sort of steadied out and it, it looks to be right on track. Absolutely. So that is our uh, what, bi-weekly check-in on the uh, Creighton men's and women's basketball teams. We'll do so again in a couple of weeks. And by that time, happen, it'll almost be time for March. It's uh, it's pretty insane to think of how fast this season has gone by. We are looking forward to it. So uh, thanks for listening in. We'll do so again in a couple of weeks. John, back to you. Meanwhile, in women's golf, it was a good week for Creighton's Eleanor Hoodpole, who overcame a two-stroke deficit on the back nine to win the Motor City Classic earlier this week in Orlando, Florida. Her one-stroke victory helped lift the women's golf team to a second-place finish in their first tournament this spring. Her three-round total of 223 was best in the field of 36 golfers. It's her second win in her last three tournaments. She also won the Big O Classic at Oak Hills Country Club last October. Her scoring average is now 
a shade under 75, which is a team low. And again, the women's golf team finished second overall in that tournament. So congratulations to Eleanor Hoodpole. As we mentioned, it is a busy weekend for Creighton Sports as we're starting to get more of the crossovers now between the winter and the spring. Men's tennis is returning to action on the court Friday afternoon versus Northern Illinois. Softball with doubleheaders both Saturday and Sunday at the DePaul Dome Invitational. Then also coming up on Saturday, Creighton Basketball. At home against number 21, UConn, the big rematch. UConn won the first one by nine. Jays will try to exact some revenge and keep pace with the top of the league standings. Pre-game coverage on 1620, the zone starts at 11 a.m. Then 101.9, the keg will also join us for the play-by-play action, also on the zone. One o'clock, just after one o'clock tip-off. That is Saturday from CHI Health Center. Men's tennis on Saturday afternoon will be taking on DePaul. Coming up on Sunday, men's golf will be at the Advanced Partners Classic. Two more softball games starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Kentucky in the first game, 11.30 a.m. against St. Thomas. Women's basketball on Sunday, high noon against the Xavier Musketeers. That will be over at DJ Sokol Arena. And then early next week on Valentine's Day, women's tennis will be down in Kansas City while the men's basketball team will hit the road and take on Providence. And that's a quick look at what is coming up over the course of the next few days in Creighton Athletics. That'll wrap things up for this week. A reminder that the 1620 The Jays podcast is brought to you by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. Don't forget, you can download this podcast anytime at 1620thezone.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Just search 1620 The Jays. And next week, we'll be back with a brand new, fresh edition of the 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law. For Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of the Creighton University Athletic Department and NRG Media Omaha. Omaha.